Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. And so when we decided to dive into our Advent series and sort of put Acts on pause for a little bit, we, instead of just sort of leaving that theme to the side, we stepped back into the first volume that Luke wrote. Luke wrote both a gospel about Jesus and he wrote the book of Acts as well. So we went back to the start of Luke and explored how the Holy Spirit was active in the first coming of Jesus as well. So it's a little bit of a thematic connection, but we're looking at the early stories of how the birth announcement of Jesus and the prophet John and, and how that all unrolled, but also watching how the Holy Spirit is involved in that and what connections that might mean for us, for us today. Uh, Keith and Trudy highlighted that we're in the third Sunday of Advent and a pink candle. So I thought I'd represent pink today. You're welcome. I know some of you are wondering, like, wow, that's pretty bright for Tom. Yeah. Well, there you go. Third Sunday of Advent. Just want to represent. So uh, we're going to sing at the end of our service today. Uh, but uh, can, can, you, can you fill in the word for me? The phrase? Joy to the world. Oh, you got to sing it, folks. If I had to sing it, you got Joy to the world. Let earth her king. Oh, yeah, let's keep going. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. We love that, don't we? Christmas ain't Christmas if you don't sing Joy to the World. But if we're honest, joy can sometimes feel kind of elusive. It can feel even a bit fleeting. Because we are looking for it. As humans, we seem to be on a hunt for joy. Searching high and low for some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose. Uh, maybe some kind of new lifestyle or some kind of activity. Really, the ancients might say we're looking for truth, beauty, or goodness that would somehow bring joy into our lives. I see that search happening all around me. And I I feel it within myself too. This search for joy. We're all looking for it. And yet joy can seem so slippery. Like, oh, we have it, we have it. And then kind of like that fish that you like to tell everyone you caught. It's like gone out of your hands, down, back into the Kootenai Lake, into the, you know, deep depths. Joy can slip away. Joy can be there and then gone before we've really had a chance to enjoy it. And so my question for us today is this. How does joy come to the world in practical, relevant ways? Maybe more in particular, how is joy connected to Christmas? How is joy connected to the coming of Christ? What's the source of true, lasting joy even when life can be very challenging, which it can be, we know that. It is for many of us. I think that's a worthy question because we all desire joy. We see others trying to bring joy into their lives. And so how does joy, be, joy become real for us? 
That's what we're going to explore as we turn again to Luke's story today. Last week, we saw Mary travel to, to, to meet with uh, her older relative, Elizabeth, because she heard that Elizabeth was pregnant. Both of them had become impossibly pregnant. Mary, who never slept with anyone, was pregnant. And Elizabeth, who'd been trying her whole married life to get pregnant and was now way past menopause, is also now pregnant, six months pregnant. The visitation, as it's sometimes called, is captured in this beautiful video. We watched the first part of it last week, but I stopped it. And so we watched Elizabeth's blessing of Mary. And you can pick up that message if you missed it um, on online, ericksoncoven.ca, but also through iTunes you can subscribe. And we explored Mary's or Elizabeth's blessing of Mary. Well, this week we're going to hear Mary's response to Elizabeth's blessing. And it's her response that will help us unpack the source of true, sustainable joy. So let's watch the story again. We'll, we'll, we'll start from the start again, but watch the whole exchange between Mary and Elizabeth. Let's watch. seen each other for years now. Greetings. Oh, greetings. My brother has lost the power of speech. It has now been over six months. One day he entered the temple and he came back out mute. Who knows what he saw. And Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Greetings, Elizabeth. Mary, may you be blessed among all women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What do I owe a visit from the mother of my Lord? As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the baby jumped in my belly for joy. My 
so glorifies the Lord. My spirit exalts in God my Savior. Because he has contemplated his servant's humility. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has worked great wonders in me. And holy is his name. From generation to generation, his mercy extends to those who fear him. He has unleashed the power of his arm. He has mooted the arrogant into the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones. He has raised up the humble. He has showered the starving with goods. He has sent the rich away empty-handed. He, he, he has come to the rescue of Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy as he promised to our fathers, to Abraham and his line forever. Well, did you see how that conversation played out? It was Elizabeth's blessing that sparked Mary's rejoicing. And it's through her uh, joyful song that we discover true, two truths that reveal how the Holy Spirit brings joy to us at Christmas. First, joy comes when we embrace God's fondness for us. Mary said it best. A little bit of a different translation than you heard, but it's the same thing. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. God has been mindful of her. And this truth is no small thing. Mary's joy springs from knowing how highly God thinks of her. Because Mary knows who she is. She's a simple, unknown, young peasant woman in Nazareth. And yet, alongside that truth about her identity, which she acknowledges, she now knows truth about who God is. That He, the God of her people, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who cast the stars above and and grounded the earth beneath her feet, that this God is mindful of, of her. This is stunning revelation, actually. Can we see that? One of the ancient psalmists, uh, he captured it this way, this shock, when he said, when I consider the heavens, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. What indeed? And for Mary, upon hearing this wonderful blessing from Elizabeth, on considering now the work of God's fingers within herself, she bursts into this joyful song. It's called often the Magnificat, Mary's Magnificat. It springs from how highly God thinks of her. 
So highly, in fact, that God would ask her to bear his son into the world. Her. Her. Mary. And she's simply overjoyed by this. And her joy is sourced by God's mindfulness of her. And friends, so is ours. I actually believe that this is the true wellspring of joy. This is where joy that will outgrow and overshadow all other lesser joys as well as other difficulties in life. This is where it comes from. Joy that often feels so elusive to us, it's actually pointing us here. The quest for joy that we see all around us points us toward this mind-blowing truth that God is fond of us. He's fond of you. Now, why do I say fond? Kind of a weird word, right? Fond? Well, it's actually pulled from a story. A story that I remembered and found again this week that Brandon Manning told. Brandon tells the story of a, a priest, a friend of his, a priest from Detroit. His name was Edward Farrell. Uh, he was in Ireland visiting relatives. And, and then, uh, this is, this is, I'll, I'll quote directly from him. This is what he said. Um, Daryl's one living relative was about to celebrate his 80th birthday. And on the great day, Ed and his uncle got up early. It was before dawn. They took a walk alongside the shores of Lake Killarney. So I I got a picture of Lake Killarney. Wow. Take me there. And they stopped to watch the sunrise. They stood side by side for a full 20 minutes and then resumed walking. Ed glanced at his uncle and saw that his face had broken into a broad smile. He said, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. I am, Ed asked. How come? And his uncle replied, The Father of Jesus is very fond of me. (laughs) The Father of Jesus is very fond of me. Friends, that's what Mary suddenly grasped when she heard Elizabeth's blessing. She realized that she was, in fact, known and loved by God and called into His special purpose, that the Father of Jesus was very fond of her. And what's true of Mary is true of us. It's true of you. Do you know that? I mean, do you really know it? Do you know that the Father of Jesus is very fond of you. Some of us have a very easy time believing that Jesus, Father Jesus is very fond of others. And we can point them out in our lives. Well, yeah, of course, her, yeah, him. I'm fond of him. You know, but me? Very fond of me? Do you know that God has regarded your humble state and that He has made it possible for you to be reunited in friendship with Him for no other reason than the fact that He longs you to be fully alive with Him, that the Father of Jesus is very fond of you. And nothing, friends, conveys the fondness of God more than Christmas. Really. It's true. It's all about Jesus' And, and, and the Father's fondness for us. I mean, how did the Apostle John put it? For God so 
loved the world. God was so fond of the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes, whoever trusts in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. And God's fondness for us, God's fondness for you is stamped all over Christmas. You can't go anywhere without seeing signs of His fondness. Every time you see a Christmas tree this week, you can go, huh, look at that. God's fond of me. You can. Actually, every time you see lights this week, this is a little challenge for you. Dive in. We have one last full week of Christmas. So this week, starting with, starting when you leave the building today, every time you see a Christmas decoration, just smile and go, wow, Father's fond of me. When you walk past a, some light, a house all lit up with lights, go, look at that! The Father's fond of me! Sit down at Christmas dinner, very fond of me. You're going to be joining the Blossom Valley singers this afternoon. The Father is very fond of you. And so, train your eyes to see. And so, I do challenge you this week, let people catch you just standing and staring with a big goofy smile. If you have to stand for a while, do it. Go ahead. At least to the moment where people go, what is wrong with you? Or, or better yet, why do you look so happy? Then you can say, The Father of Jesus is very fond of me. <laughs> well, try it. Let me know how that goes. Um, friends, true lasting joy comes when we embrace God's fondness for us. Sustainable joy comes when we accept that God's mind is full of us. He is mindful of us when we grasp that He actually fully knows who we are and wants us to be fully in His life. He fully wants us. When we realize that, nothing else can compare. All the other things that we search for, that we try to sort of get temporary joy from, or try to offset some of the pain, all those things take a back seat to this fundamental truth that the Father of Jesus, the Lord of all history, the Holy Spirit of Christmas, thinks very highly of us. Very highly of you. So highly that He would come to us as one of us, not only to be God with us in Christ, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, but, and this links us back to Acts, to also be God in us by the Holy Spirit. I think he thinks pretty highly of you if he wants to live in you, don't you? I mean, he's taking up residence in your life. How much higher can he think of us? How much higher can he think of you? He's moved in. It's beautiful. That's where sustainable joy comes from, when we embrace God's fondness for us. Well, the second truth emerges as we continue in Mary's story, and that is that joy grows as we celebrate God's faithfulness to us. This is what Mary does. She begins to celebrate what God has done for her, but then also through history, what he's done for all. She starts with her. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. I love the way that Mary captures God's faithfulness here. Mary knows that God is the Holy One, the Mighty One, that, that God is great and powerful and, and, and He's set apart. He's, he's, in that sense, holy other than us. He's high above us, transcendent, amazing, you know, so beyond our imagination. In that sense, that's what holy means, set apart and, and, and a holy God who, who is 
separate from sinners like us, a, a holy God that, that can't be mere sin or can't be contaminated by evil because God is pure light, pure love, pure goodness, so much so that if any impurity or, or any contamination or any evil were around His holiness, it would be consumed in an instant. That's what it means that He's holy. And yet, almost parent, you know, almost paradoxically, this holy, mighty God has done great things for her. What? That this holy God is interested. This holy God is near, involved. In a wonderful way, Mary captures the gospel truth, the good news message that we see revealed all through the Scriptures, all through the Bible. That God is both holy other than His creation, and wholly involved in His creation. That both those things are true. Now, this that might be brand new information to you. You might be just exploring faith. Or maybe uh, you've been hanging around Christian circles a bit, but you're not super clear on, like, what do these people believe, you know? There are resources for that, just so you know. I could point you in some directions. but So maybe you're just exploring faith, and this is a great you know, place to do it. Uh, exploring faith. Or maybe uh, this is old hat to you. Like, yep, d- done, done that. Know that. But all of us need to remember that this is actually shocking revelation that every other faith and philosophy rejects. The idea that God could be both holy other and holy involved. Either, what you will find if you read philosophies, religion, whatever, people's beliefs, you either find that there will be uh, the idea that God is too holy to really be that involved. To, you know, there's a, there's a line God won't cross. This is true in Islam. It's true in Judaism. Um, and so God is very much holy other, but there's, there's a limit to which he will... Go and he won't become fully wholly involved. And and then also you'll have the opposite, where there's a belief that God is so enmeshed in creation that he, she, it, whatever, loses any kind of real distinction, like everything is God, as it were. It loses any distinction that he's wholly other. And, and you can see that in, in Hinduism, you can see that in uh, some New Age philosophy, animism. Uh, whatever, you see it all over. It, it all comes down to this, that in Jesus, the holy other became wholly involved. And it's right at the crux point of who Jesus is that represents the dividing line between the Christian faith and all other philosophies, all other religions. Because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was revealed in the coming of Jesus, He is holy and He is here. How does that work? That's the good news, that Jesus came at Christmas, that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, that the God who is holy other gets holy involved, so that we who were, can I do this, holy lost, could become, wait for it, holy His. Yeah, I know, you don't want to write that down. I didn't want to write it down, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> There's a bridging that happens when God steps across that line to become one with us, one with creation, and no other story, no other system of thinking, no other religion or idea is willing to tell such a crazy, ludicrous story 
that a holy God would love a sinful world. That a holy God would be so disregarding of his own honor and status, so concerned with the restoration of his wayward creation, that he would become one of them, one of us, suffer for us, die on our behalf. It's crazy. It's beautiful. Talk about being fond of us. But that's what Mary's coming to realize as she celebrates how God works in the world to set the world back to rights. That the God who's been mindful of her humble estate, who's lifted her up, who's extended mercy to her, does that because of how faithful he is. Because that's how he works. And Mary celebrates his faithfulness as a God who's doing just that to bring justice and mercy to the world that he loves. Joy comes when we embrace God's fondness for us, but it grows as we celebrate His faithfulness to us as well. Because not only does God think highly of us, He's actively working for our good. And so we can join in Mary's song by looking at our own story too. I certainly encourage that. We can look back at the ways that God has been faithful in our own lives the way that he's provided direction for us, uh, the way that he has answered prayers, the way that he's met our needs, the way that he's given us family and friends, the way that he's filled us with good things, as well as difficult things that we know were good for us and how he's brought us through those. We can look at ways that God has been faithful when we've experienced real difficulties, loss, grief, maybe depression or separations or Sickness. We can celebrate God's faithfulness through thick and thin. But then, like Mary, we we don't have to just stop at our own story. We can keep extending that back and celebrating how God is faithful to our families through generations and how He's been faithful to His people, even been faithful here to the Erickson Covenant Church in our, what, is it 80 years this year? 80 years this church has been faithful and the people of this congregation have been faithful to love on kids and to reach out to others and to to love each other and care for one another, but also how God has been faithful to the church down through the centuries and protected His witnesses that led us to be able to find Jesus in the first place. We can celebrate God's faithfulness in in creating uh, good scholars, good scribes to protect and preserve the Holy Scriptures that, that helped us know about Jesus, that survived through the ravages of time and for men and women who've responded again and again and again to leave their homes, to, to, to sacrifice and go out and tell others about Jesus We can trace that and trace that all the way back again to the coming of Jesus himself, to the coming of the Holy Spirit. But then we can keep tracing that story to God's faithfulness, to his covenant with Israel, all the way back to Moses and Abraham and Noah and Adam, his faithfulness to all of creation. We can celebrate God's faithfulness, and as we do that, our joy grows. Isn't that what we do when we worship? We worship when we gather? We worship throughout the week or as we work? We celebrate the faithfulness of God. And as we do that, we fan the flames of joy. We sing songs. We speak blessings. We tell stories. We make art. We retell and recall and remind each other and review in our own minds and lives the faithfulness of God. And as we do that, we realize that all we've been looking for, all that the world is looking for, that sense of purpose, that place of belonging, that longing for hope, a way of of being, even an experience of truth and beauty and goodness and life, that that is what God has offered to us in Jesus 
That's why He's living among us by His Spirit. God's faithful, and as we celebrate His faithfulness at Christmas, our joy really grows. But that joy, the joy that we experience, the joy that grows, is rooted in trust. You know, Mary's own song, as she went back, talked about these great reversals. How God, you know, scatters the proud. How God, you know, lifts up the humble and and the hungry are fed, but the rich are sent away empty. We celebrate God's action for us in Christ, but the full effects of those actions haven't yet been fully realized. And so we celebrate God's faithfulness as we look backwards to the past, but we also then look to the future and we celebrate his faithfulness in faith as well. Because we can look around us and think, hear Mary's song and even believe that God is going to be faithful. We can say, okay, that's great, but you know, it sounds terrific, but that's not really true, is it? I mean, at least it's not true yet. I still see, you know, tyrants on their thrones and the hungry empty. I still see that. It's not true yet. But yet's the key word. As we celebrate God's faithfulness to us, both personally and in history, we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding each other that the story's not over yet. That it's still being told. And we can't judge the end by what we only see today. Instead, we judge the end of the story. We entrust the end of the story to the God who has been faithful, the God who is now faithful, and that eternal faithful God who will follow through with what he started. You know, you've probably heard it said, that history is written by the victors, right? Have you heard that? History books written by the victors. Losers don't write books. They're dead, right? So now there's been some change in how history is written and read now. So we're starting to hear, as it were, the loser stories. But, but by and large, this has been true. and certainly true in ancient history. And we need to remember that when we're reading history. I, I get that. But, you know, as people of faith in, in the Father of Jesus, we also need to remember that, yeah, and history is not done yet. The story isn't over. You know, the annals of time haven't, haven't been written up yet. And when they are, when the chapter's closed, there will only be one victor providing the true overview. There will only be one victor providing the accurate summary, the final judgment. And that victor is the Holy One who's wholly involved. The one who revealed himself in Jesus, both on a manger and a cross. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who doesn't elevate the proud, but shuts them down. Who doesn't ignore tyrants on their throne, though they think they're getting away with murder, but casts them down with justice. Who doesn't send away the hungry empty, but fills them with good things. And as we celebrate God's faithfulness now, as we celebrate God's faithfulness in the past, our joy grows because we know that God will be faithful to bring all of his creation to his desired restoration. Well, what can we take home with us today? I'd like to offer you two simple joy exercises. You ready for this? First one I've already talked about. It's simple. This is to train your eye this week to connect the coming of Christ to the fondness of the Father. And that is to do what I already said. Look at, you know, the lights, the trees, whatever catches your eye this week or your mind this week about Christmas, to pause right there and say, oh, the Father of Jesus is fond of me. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your mind. But to do that, to make a connection between what you're seeing, what you're seeing around you, and what the Father has done for you. The Father's fondness. For you. Can you, can you try that? I'd love to know how that works for you. 
as you do it. Well, the second exercise is actually to engage in an Advent affirmation. Now, I, I know that uh, some of you may not like this kind of thing, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, you know, there's a lot of encouragement around us from various people to, to use positive affirmations about our identity and uh, to, to actually speak truth to ourselves, particularly if we've been subject to negative uh, self-talk, to, to things people have said to us in the past that are harmful, uh, and we see ourselves through um, inaccurate lenses. Uh, we listen to wrong, false stories about ourselves. And so to, to replace that with truth, very powerful, really is. And what I'd like to offer you is this Advent affirmation, which springs directly out of Mary's song and leads us, I believe, to Christmas joy. And I encourage you to write this affirmation down, so we'll leave it on the screen long enough for you to do it. Uh, if you didn't catch it, maybe we'll, I'll try to post it on Facebook or, or something. But the Advent Affirmation should be written down and then repeated. Repeat it a few times a day. Say it to yourself. Get the truth of it to sink down deep in your heart and your mind so you can say it without reading it. You can, you can actually speak it out loud uh, throughout the days you're driving or, or working or whatever. So here it is. I'm going to read it and then we'll read it together. Here's the Advent Affirmation. I am a highly regarded, humble servant of Jesus rejoicing in the fondness and faithfulness of my God. The Father of Jesus is very fond of me and will always be faithful to me. Can we try this together? Let's try it. I am a highly regarded, humble servant of Jesus, rejoicing in the fondness and faithfulness of my God. The Father of Jesus is very fond of me and will always be faithful to me. To me. Now you can split those up by uh, two sentences, but um, split them up, do them backwards, forwards. I don't really care. But put this in your heart and mind. Cement that in. Let the truth of that affirmation source your joy. There might be a phrase in there that you really grab a hold of on Tuesday. And you repeat it over and over again to yourself. Maybe Thursday afternoon, there's another phrase or the whole thing where something new comes to light. Where you realize, oh, right, as you face a certain situation that would like to um, challenge your idea of what God thinks of you, for example. Your mind will come back to this affirmation and you'll remember, ah, oh, I'm a highly regarded, humble servant of Jesus. Rejoice in the fondness and faithfulness of my God. The Father of Jesus very fond me and will always be faithful to me. It's true. And that truth transforms. Because that truth sits right at the, the source of who God has made us to be His, to be connected to Him. And as a result, it brings true joy to the world, but to us. And friends, as we leave here this week, we leave here today, we're surrounded by people who don't know that the Father is very fond of them. They believe stories and lies, and they believe things they've been told through everything from advertising to, you know, a high school teacher. That was negative, I mean. God bless high school teachers for all the positive they do. I didn't mean that that way. The things have been said to people that have made them believe lies about themselves. They need to hear this. 
They need to see it in you. But they need to hear it. And Christmas is a beautiful time for them to discover the Father's very fond of them. That's what we mean when we sing joy to the world. The team's going to come and lead us in that song. And as we sing it today, may our hearts and our minds be filled with the truth that the Father is fond of us. Would you stand as the team comes? I'll pray a blessing over you and then we'll sing together joy to the world. Father, to know that you are very fond of us challenges us because some of us, we can hardly believe that anyone would be fond of us. Maybe some people have to love us, but fond of us? Oh, Father, I pray today for those present among us or listening on the podcast who have a hard time believing that you're fond of them. Holy Spirit, I just pray that somehow through all the negative messaging, through the the lies they believe, through the way that they view themselves, that there would be a crack even now and that your fondness would slip through. (laughs) And that that understanding that you are fond of them, very fond, would transform them from the inside out. Lord Jesus, I pray that this Christmas your fondness would overflow and that the men and the women and the children in our lives, the family members, the people we work with or go to school with, the people around us who haven't really understood or grasped or even even comprehended that all these Christmas trees and lights and banners and concerts, they're all saying one thing, that you are fond of them. You desire to be in their lives. And so we just pray that that, that good news would get out there and would change lives as a result. And so now as we sing joy to the world, would you fill our hearts with your fondness as we celebrate your faithfulness as we experience all that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.